still in chapter 4, and we're going through the seven areas of life and how betochen plays a role in each one of them. So area one was about my person, my body, my health. Um, area two was parnosa, my livelihood, making money. Area three was personal, interpersonal relationships. Uh, and then, um, so, and those were all worldly matters. And then we had area four, which was um, getting into the spiritual side of things. It's things that we have to do for the sake of the world to come, meaning mitzvahs. Uh, but the mitzvahs that are um, only that only affect ourselves. And then last night we did the fifth area, which was the mitzvahs that we do that affect others. You know, like tzedakah and teaching and helping people to do teshuva. All right. So now we're on the, the sixth area. And that's what Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar called matters of the world to come for the sake of the world to come. I think that's how he called it. Purely spiritual stuff. So let's take a look inside. Let's look at an explanation of the sixth category. The reward in this world as well as the next world. Which a person earns through his conduct in this world. And there are two forms of this reward. Gmul ba'elam hazibilvad. One is a reward that is only in this world, the physical world. Gmul ba'elam habibilvad. And then there is the, the reward that is only in the spiritual world. And sometimes a person merits both for a single deed. He does one thing. And it generates both a reward in this world as well as the next. Right? I think we talk about that every morning in morning brachas, don't we? When we talk about these are the things that we have benefit from it in this world, but uh, the, main, the main reward is in the world to come. All right. This matter was not explained to us clearly, meaning the manner of reward in this world and the world to come, right? It says in Pirkei Aves, it says, be careful with a light mitzvah, a mitzvah kala, like a mitzvah chamura, with a strict mitzvah. Why? Because you don't know matan scharon, you don't know the reward for them. It's like when Delta hid their award chart. And you have to go and enter in each itinerary, and it's like a surprise, surprise, this is how many miles it is, right? That's for my Dan's Deals friends, that reference, okay? So it's like a hidden award chart. We don't know exactly, you know, the, the system. Ach, however, The Creator, rather, the Creator promised His nation a general reward, for general observance, meaning in general he said, look, 
do what do what I tell you to do, and it's going to be good for you. But he didn't like specify rewards for specific things. Why would we think he would? Well, because we have a precedent for that. It does very clearly specify the punishments for the sins in this world, the punishments in this world for the sins. Like for instance, we know exactly which sins incur which death penalty, those sins that are capital offenses, according to Torah, which ones get stoning and which ones get uh, burning and which ones get um, decapitation and which ones get strangulation. Umalkus arboyim, and we know which ones get the, uh, the 40 lashes. Umisa, and also death. Death, I suppose he means bide uh, shemayim, from the hands of heaven because he just enumerated the ones that are be the Adam, that are court-inflicted. Vikares, also, the soul being cut off, which is a little bit different than Misa Bideshimayim. We had both of them, by the way, recently in Tanya Chitas, in uh, Geras Achuva. Vitashlume Kefal, or monetary punishments, like having to pay double. Vitashlume Arbo Vichamisha, or having to pay four times as much, or five times as much. Vinezik Sher Bayavashen Vaesh. Or like have, having to make remuneration for damage caused by an ox, a pit, a tooth, or a fire. Those, those are categories. You have to, you have to learn the Arba of his Nezikin. V'nesin mum ba'adam, or like um, remuneration that a person has to make when he causes bodily damage to another. V'shelaches yad b'mavushav, or also the fine when a person causes... Uh, shame to another by grabbing him inappropriately. shemra, or the, the sin of defaming, the defamer, he defames his wife actually, anything like that. So we know a lot of the specific penalties for specific sins. But it's interesting, the reward in the world to come, or the punishment, is not explicitly stated by the, the prophet in his book. And there, there are many reasons for this. In other words, this is what we're asking. When it comes to penalties for sins, it's pretty clear what they are. It's pretty explicitly enumerated what those punishments are, which sins get which punishments, how the punishments are administered. But when it comes to the spiritual uh, consequences, both the reward and the punishment, we don't really have such clarity about it. And, and the question becomes, why isn't this like a glaring omission? Now, of course, there will be people who say, well, hold on, you know, uh, you can go read Reish's Chochman and it'll tell you specifically a lot about Gehenna and how it works and what the punishments are. That's, that's true. It's not what, what Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar is talking about. Also, you can learn Sifra Chassidus and learn about what Gan Eden is like. I mean, to a certain extent. <laughs> to the extent that it's possible to give a trip report from Gan Eden. Um, that's another Dan Stills reference for you. Um, but uh, that's not what Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar is talking about. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar is talking about how come it's not something that's talked about in, in, in Chumash, in, in Navi, basically in Tanakh, in the Bible. Why doesn't talk about it in the Bible, right? 
So he says there's, there, there are a few reasons for this. Mayhem, one of those reasons, the form of the soul without the body is not really known to us. And how much more so, what would bring it delight or pain in that state? Now, again, you're going to say to me, but hold on a second. We do know about different punishments of Gehenna, which cause great pain to the soul. And we do know a lot about Ganeden and the pleasure that the souls have. That's not what Ibn Abhai is talking about. He's saying, basically, why isn't this like a focus or even something that's spoken about in, in, in Chumash and in, in Nach? Okay? Um, so the first reason is it's really abstract stuff. Like, who could relate to this? Like, the soul without a body? I mean, it's hard enough to relate to the soul in a body. The soul as it manifests itself through the body. But this is a soul without a body, stripped of the body. Um, so who could relate to what gives it pain and what gives it pleasure? <laughs> However, Hashem did explain these things to those who could understand it. Like it was said to Yeshua, um, not Yeshua from Mesha's Talmud Yeshua, but Yeshua from uh, later on, from the times of the Besamekdosh. I will allow you to walk among these who stand here. Who's standing? Malachim, angels. Um, a neshama is called a mahalach, a mover, because a neshama risks and has reward. Neshama comes down to the world, and there's a risk, and what, when you have risk, you have reward. So the Neshama can go up to a higher level than where it came down from. But a Malach, a Malach is stationary, because it doesn't have free will, so there's no risk, there's no reward. A Malach is on whatever level it is on. This was not to be while his soul was still joined to his body, it's not what it's talking about. He was describing what's going to be after he passes away. That the soul returns to uh, the state that is angelic. Inasmuch as the soul is divested from a body and becomes refined and has abandoned using its body when it becomes purified and radiant and its deeds were good in this world. In other words, the soul that while it was while it was in a body, it did good things, and then when it leaves a body, it has a certain uh, pleasurable experience that is pleasurable for the soul. Okay. Can you relate to what's pleasurable for a soul? Our premise here is no. No, you can't, okay? Who knows what, who knows what the souls are into these days? You know, who could, who could figure them out? I don't know. Trying to strike up a conversation with a soul. You know, I don't know what they're into, you know? All right, anyway. So that's one reason. One reason is that what's the point to tell you all this stuff? We're not going to relate to it anyway. Now, again, I know you're going to say to me, but... In the Sifri Musa, you could read all about Gehenna, and in the Sifri Chassidus, you could read all about Gan Eden. 
In other words, it's funny. <laughs> the Sefer Musa, you read all about Gehenna. In the Sefer Chassidus, you learn all about Ganin. Okay. And by the way, in case people think, this, oh, the Sefer Chassidus don't talk about Gehenna. They mention it. They mention it, just not the focus. And the Sefer Musa, oh, they don't talk about Gehenna. Of course they talk about Gehenna. Just a question of, a question of uh, emphasis. Umeham, and another reason why the spiritual reward and punishment is not clearly spoken about in Torah. Because the reward and punishment in the world to come, it was so that that would be received by the common people from the prophets. It was understood by the wise people. And they therefore did not mention these things in their scriptures. Just as they did not mention much of the exposition of the commandments and the duties, because they relied on the tradition. The Tevel of Onan explains here that the prophets would try to explain these things as best they could to people, these spiritual things. Um, but they're very subtle ideas, and different people would understand a different level of it. And this was sort of left to, you know, one on one. I mean, it doesn't, I don't mean literally one on one, but it's more like, look, there there are the official things, you know, the things that are for everybody to study and to know and to learn, and then there are additional conversations that the the prophets would have to you based on tradition. And to whatever extent they could explain these things to people, they would. But it's not from the core teachings. That's, that's the point that uh, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar is saying. And uh, the Menei Chalavavis actually says something interesting about this. He says, it wasn't spoken about because it was intuitive. Like, everybody knew, even if they couldn't articulate it or explain it, but they knew that their you know, spiritual reward and spiritual punishment. And so it, wasn't, it didn't need to be a focus. It didn't need to be something that you speak about. Paslachim says a little differently that it was spoken about, but only as an oral tradition. And that's why uh, you don't find it in Tanakh. It was only oral and that's why you would find it more in later generations, as more and more of Tehidah Shabalpeh became recorded, right? All the Kabbalah that was written down, I mean, that was, at some point, that was oral tradition. So all this spiritual stuff, people say, how do you know these two? How do they know? How do they know what the soul's experience is? Uh, how do they know what Gehenim is like? How do they know what Gan Eden is like? Because this was oral tradition. I mean, this goes back to the to the uh, Messinai, but it wasn't written down. What was written down? What was written down is, you know, the halacha, how to, how to behave like a Jew. But, and by the way, even that wasn't written down at first, right? Because even before Mishnah, that wasn't written down. But uh, obviously Mishnah was written down, and then Gemara was written down. And then much, much later, the different Sifrei Moser and Sifrei Kabbalah and, 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 and then Sifrei Chesidis came and, and wrote down these spiritual ideas. But uh, it was always spoken of. It was just, you know, it was a discussion. It was a conversation. It wasn't, you know, on, on the pages. Someone wrote here, 
We're not supposed to perform mitzvahs based on reward in the world to come, right? Yeah, that's right. You're not supposed to do it for the sake of the world to come. But that means that shouldn't be your motivation. It shouldn't be your motivation. But uh, you should do it altruistically. You should do it l'shma. But you know how the Rebbe explains that? The Rebbe says, The inner content of every is l'shma. So every Jew, deep down, he wants to do it because he just wants to be connected to Hashem. So, if you look into the shalelishma, into the ulterior motive that a Jew has for anything he does, if you pull apart all the, the extraneous layers and you get to the core, the inner core of it, you'll come to the, the altruistic motivation that was just for the sake of Hashem. Uh, okay. Umehem, and another reason why... There wasn't so much explicit explanation of what the spiritual reward and punishment is like. The people were in a state of ignorance and deficiency of understanding. That's harsh. Which is not hidden in the scriptural account. What does that mean? It means the Torah made it pretty clear to us all the times that the Jews tested and complained against Hashem. And uh, so Tata clearly states that uh, they weren't given a, a heart to understand or uh, ears to hear until the 40th year. So, uh, yeah, and that's the Menei Chalavavis explains like that. So the people were not, uh, they were not able to relate to these things. That's how he explains it at least. So Hashem treated them like a child, like a father treats a child, a little child. When the father wants to discipline the child gently and slowly. Because the Jews were like a child and I loved him. When a father wants to teach his young son wisdom, which ultimately will enable him to ascend to the higher levels, but which he cannot presently understand, if the father will appease the child and speak to him and say the following, Endure the strain of discipline and instruction so that through them you may ascend to esteemed levels. Uh, no, probably rather not. No, but they're esteemed levels. They're milas hachamudais. And I'm going to go play with my trucks. So that won't work. The child is not going to endure it. And he's not going to obey. You know why? Because he doesn't understand that. It's not attractive to him. However, if the father promises him things that bring him immediate, immediate pleasure, such as food and drink and attractive clothing and a nice wagon and the like. And 
and threatens him with immediate discomfort, made of like hunger, nakedness, malchus, and hitting anything like that. While assuring him and convincing him with tangible arguments and clear and truthful evidence. So if that's the approach he takes, it'll make it much easier for the child to bear the discipline, to, to tolerate it and to, to, to accept the burden. So that's the, that's the approach. Don't, don't give him any lofty, inspiring speeches. Just speak on a really simple level. You do it, I'll give you candy. If you don't do it, you get a potch. I mean, it's not telling you how to parent, by the way. It's just a marshal. This is just a marshal. Okay? At any rate. When he becomes mature and his mind is strong, then he'll understand the training, the purpose of the training. And then the stuff that he was all excited about in the beginning of his education, he won't be excited about anymore. And this approach is kindness to the child. So same thing with Hashem. He held out to his people promises of immediate rewards and threats of immediate harm. Because he knew that once they would be trained for serving him, then their ignorance of reward and punishment in the next world would be taken care of. Like if I tell you before I train you, you're never going to get it. But if I train you first, then you can finally understand the real point of why we're doing this. And they get used to, to serving him. And they will comply with his service to draw near him. And the same thing can be applied to all the passages in Scripture that ascribe corporeal attributes to the Creator may be exalted, all the anthropomorphisms. Anthropomorphisms, obviously, you know, it's one of the Yud Gimel Ikrim, 13 principles of faith, not to ascribe any bodily likeness to Hashem. But it's for people, that's what they relate to. Okay, so anyways, to sum up what Rabbeinach Bachai is saying here, the last reason why the spiritual reward and spiritual punishment are not explicitly in Tanakh, is because it's like a child. With a child, don't speak to them on a lofty level, about lofty pursuits. Just speak to them on a very, very simple level. Candy, pleasure, potch, pain. Okay? And so that's the way it used to be. That's the way it was in the ancient world. That's what people related to. And, we, and Hashem just kept Judaism really, really simple. And then if people wanted to know any deeper stuff, we said before, then the prophets will explain to you a little bit the deeper reasons. But the point was that eventually the Jewish people collectively became mature enough, and once they were trained in serving Hashem, so then we say, oh, by the way, you weren't really doing it for the candy or for the potch. It wasn't the carrot or for the stick. It was really for these spiritual reasons. But you only tell them that after they're already trained and brought up you know, to, the, to the level to be able to handle these things. Okay, at any rate, at any rate, there's a lot to be said about this. There is, there's quite a bit to be said about this. And again, I just want to maybe make one point very clear, is that 
This is not an instruction how to educate your children or to educate anyone or even an instruction how anyone should be. It's an explanation for why things were the way they were. Okay, you understand the distinction? Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar is not giving parenting tips here, nor is he even saying this is what you should do when you're motivating an adult, or for sure not an adult, but only, you know, but this is not telling you to do this. This is not telling you that this is how it should be done. It's saying a historical fact. This is how it was done. That there was a certain period in time that this is how Hashem spoke to the people. And then later on, deeper reasons became revealed. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. Fine. We will continue Amir Hashem tomorrow night. Be well, everybody.